Hello everyone and welcome to the Play Want Bin podcast for May from mfgamers.net. My name is Ben, Dangerman on the site, and joining me is Hendo. That's me. I guess the big game this month was God of War, but we're going to save that for the end. Let's start off with you. What have you been playing this month? So last month I was talking to you, actually, about Yakuza. Yep. And I finished Yakuza Kwame. And my opinions at the time were, I don't think this is as good as Zero. And my opinions upon finishing it are, it's not as good as Zero. No. It's still really good, but it's a bit flat in terms of tone. It does have some of the the sort of the humour. I've said this before. We've done a couple of Yakuza conversations on these things, and yeah, I've said it before that what Yakuza uh, the remake Kiwami. One of the concerns I had was coming off Zero in particular, which had lots of the sort of I don't want to say mentalness, but yeah, that Yakuza has kind of become known for. A lot of that isn't there in Yakuza Zero. Uh, sorry, Yakuza Kiwami in the original. It had some, and they've gone in and added some, but all the stuff that's originally there isn't, it's not particularly strange and over the top, and I mean it is, but just not by the comparison of, say, 5 and 0 and 6. The most interesting thing I found was going through and trying to spot the new things, because obviously Majima everywhere is new. Yeah. But there's a part where Kiryu meets someone who will train them, and... I'm pretty sure it's the guy who trained Majima in a park and he teaches you different moves with like uh, swords and stuff. Yeah. He looks like he came from a Zelda game or something in Zero and that I would guess is new because it would be pretty weird for people that on the original. I don't think it would make much sense. But then a lot of it, when you played it, was it weird that you were introduced to characters in a really sort of as if you already knew them because it's me playing zero i know where these characters came from yeah so i feel like i've already had the introduction to them properly so it's really strange that you just like jumped in on oh yeah this character you know who that is because if you'd have played that first you'd have gone no i don't know who that is yeah it i don't remember struggling with the um the plot originally but there's definitely stuff like the i forget his name the big bald guy who's I think he's head of the Oni alliance Shimano I think that's why they're so distinctive looking is oh it's that guy and so you're introducing just kind of they're kind of caricatures I guess and so you know Nishiki's story you like you see what happens early in the game you you know why Kazuma went to prison and and so Kiryu sorry went to prison and and so on and so on And, and so you're there's not always a lot of nuance in those characters and that kind of helps so a lot of the i don't remember there being as many it feels like there's more characters in the remake or some of them are a bit more front and center or maybe i just forgot them but in the same way we when we did the yakuza podcast the other month and we talked about the english cast the only ones we mentioned were sort of the four or five key characters mm. and it sort of felt a bit like that that there were only a handful of characters that were important so i, I don't know maybe maybe they just expanded so there was a lot of stuff with Nishiki uh, in this where you see his reaction to things that just was not in the original game because you weren't right. they weren't trying to explain this duality of personality or anything they were he just was what he was the guy who trained you I don't think was in there I think he just bought new moves right okay I enjoyed it but it's not yeah it's just not as good as Zero it's longer than I was expecting because I knew it was it is still shorter than Zero 
but it still took me 40 hours probably yeah it's still longer than I was I was expecting like oh maybe 20 hours it can't be that long and yeah it took a fair few sessions and it didn't want to end at all it just <laughs> kept going it wasn't until I got to a point where it was like right something really fucking big is going to happen therefore this has to be the end and then it was as uh, money rains down that's the least spoiler way of putting it I suppose so what about you? So I've got two that are very, very similar, but I'm going to start with um, Persona 5. So it came out last year, and I I never quite finished Persona 4. I say quite finished. That's probably like 100 hours away from the end or something. I played quite a lot of it, but I watched Giant Bomb play through it. And so my eagerness to finish it, having you know knowing the story and all this sort of stuff, just sort of died off. And it was on the PS2, and I haven't had my PS2 set up in years. And so it's one of those games that I'd love to have gone back to, but realistically was never going to happen. Persona 5, I don't know if lots of people were disappointed with it, but I was a bit disappointed with it. Persona 3, the way you get your personas out of, of yourself, get them to call to summon your personas is to shoot yourself in the head. Yeah. Persona 4 opens with murders, people being dangled from telephone wires, stuff like that. And the Persona franchise is a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei. Mm-hmm. Shin Megami Tensei is just dark and grim and horrible and and we'll get to that in a bit but essentially the difference between Persona and Shin Megami is that uh, in Persona it's like yeah we're going to make friends and build bonds and the the journey is the goal and then we're going to change someone's heart and we're going to maybe send them to prison or something but they're going to be a better person afterwards and we'll be better people and yeah Shin Megami is there is no goodness in the world everyone's going to fuck each other over you're using everyone else's tool as much as they are using you as a tool and then you're going to get to the end of the game and kill god that's the difference <laughs> and so going wow. from playing a decent number of shimigami games over the last few years there's because there's a lot of different types of shimigami games and not all of them are that dark the i think the devil summoner games these tactics games that are a bit more personary a bit more cartoony and stuff so to go from two dark-ish Persona games that are still light compared to your average Shin Megami game, but I'd played through Shin Megami Tensei 4 and I'd started Apocalypse and they're just horrible worlds to, to live in. And I played a PS2 one as well and, and Strange Journey, which again, we'll, we'll get to. So it coming in and it's being like, it, the plot of it is that you're going to change people's hearts and people gonna repent and stuff and just what's happening is it eventually does get a bit a bit darker a bit more real i guess and but it's sort of like the way itself is like it's like the people's poet from the young ones or something it's the kids are mistreated by the adults because you know adults don't listen to us and it's a bit press gang it's a bit i don't know right not helped by some of the characters i don't like morgana who is a talking cat with a fairly shitty attitude and yeah it's just it's it's upbeat but it's not got the sort of insidious part that the previous two persona games had it's not quite as bad as the um the one that came out on the wii u that was supposed to be across with fire emblem oh right yeah um i cannot for the life of me remember the name of now mirage sessions or something like that, i can't remember yeah so it's it's not as light as that it's not as poppy as that but it's but it started to get there. It's got this great style to it and stuff. But it has, the more I played it now, going back to it after the period, I don't know if I just got past the hump on it where it was 
a bit too easy and a bit too light in tone and the characters were a bit too uh, annoying and undeveloped. And it's just tipped over now where the characters start to get more interesting, the story's got more interesting, there's more layers to it. Gameplay-wise, um, the Persona games have social links. I don't know if you've, if you've ever played a Persona game. I have not played a single second of uh, any Shin Megami Tensei games. Yeah. So, well, again, one of the other differences, or one of the things that makes Persona stand out, is you have these social links. And essentially, your teammates, the people you recruit and fight alongside, spending time with them after school or in holidays and stuff, you'll build a bond with them. That'll level up, which means they learn moves in... Not moves as in, like, oh, now they can cast the ice spell or whatever. Bufu, that mm. would be, as you know, Hendo. Of course. It'll be stuff like... If you land a critical hit, but don't kill the enemy, they'll jump in and they'll take an attack as well. Or if you try talking to a demon and it fails, they'll step in and help you out. But it also means their alignment, so if they're a judgment type, if you make a persona or a demon with a, that is a persona, uh, sorry, a, a judgment type demon, persona in this case, then you'll get more experience for making that. So you get boosts along the way. And like I say, so you get perks by spending time with people and if they're not part of your team if it's just in in Persona 4 there was a fox that would heal and stuff inside the dungeons it would bring the cost of getting him to heal you down by just 30% or something and there's other things where you'll you get perks or bonuses by doing stuff some of it is just story progression it'll just happen as, as you're going through other bits you need to manage your time and spend time with people you've also got jobs to earn money which you kind of don't need to do but they'll also maybe level up other stats these stats are so sort of knowledge proficiency courage or it's called guts i think charm and kindness the only thing i can see them being useful for is certain people won't talk to you unless you're at a certain level on those things so one of the first people you meet in the game i couldn't talk to her because my charm wasn't high enough or my kindness, I think, wasn't high enough. Someone else won't talk to me or wouldn't talk to me because my knowledge wasn't high enough. There's another mission I can't start until my courage improves. And so doing jobs, doing tests, spending time with people will also level that up, which then means you can spend time with other people in the future and stuff. So there's a lot of time management stuff to Persona. Initially, the game doesn't let you do it. It just still goes, now you're going to bed tonight oh yeah we're going to do this you're going to see a cutscene and you kind of go yeah I don't I want to go spend time with this person and level them up a bit because I didn't do anything today I didn't do this or it's frustrating early on how much it takes control away from you when you want to be spending because it keeps telling you you need to do this and then it won't let you and you know you've right. only got a certain amount of time game time to get all this stuff done and you can't do everything in one playthrough but it does feel like if you mess up if you waste a day then it, it feels like there's a cost to it and there probably isn't really in the great scheme of things but I could imagine people sat there with a, a guide this is the best way to do it it's not necessarily what I'm going to do but yeah so going back to it now it's tipped over to the other side and I'm not entirely free to do what I want but I am freer to do what I want and I can spend time with people and I'm starting to unlock other people that I couldn't spend time with and so yeah it's clicked into really enjoying it it being such a big game, it's one of those where you feel like, oh, I've spent like three days playing this, it's the only thing that I've played, and I must have put in like, say, six hours a day or something, and I feel like I should be getting, I should have made real dent in this. And then you look at your overall time played, and you look at how far in you reckon you are, and you think, oh yeah, no. No, I'm nowhere near the <laughs> yeah. end. Have you got another one? 
Well, I mean, I could talk about Clash Royale, but I don't know what there is to say about it that anyone would find interesting. I've heard this mentioned again recently, and it's obviously it's an old game. It's been out a very long time, I think, Clash Royale. So why is it back in the news, Hendo? It's not very old. It's about two or three years old, I think, uh, which I suppose in free-to-play terms is quite old. Clash Royale is a... It's a deck building game, but it's an action game. So you build a deck of eight things. They could be buildings, defensive buildings. They could be troops, someone with a musket or a wizard that throws fireballs, or they could be spells like you could throw a fireball, lay down some poison on the ground, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So you build a deck and you're on one side of the screen, the enemies on the other, and you both have to do the same thing, which is take down the towers that are on the other side. It's one of the best playing games I've ever played. And it's such a shame that because it's free to play, a lot of people disregarded it. It is kind of pay to win up to a certain point. I have put a lot of money into it, to be fair. I have put a lot of money into it. Probably uh, 100, 150 quid. Yikes. For over two or three years. So mm. I, 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 I'm fine with that. But at the point I am at now, especially, that money doesn't really... It's not going to help you because I've been playing for so long and I put a bit of money into it, but mainly playing for so long. My deck is almost maxed out completely. There is no money that can help me. And you're going up against people similarly with pretty much maxed out decks. So it's basically whoever's going to play better than the other person or your deck is really strong to one thing but really weak to another thing i'm not going to get into the meta of why and stuff like that it's, it's ridiculous but the reason it's in in the sort of the news right now is they added a new mode which is uh, war mode and it is your clan fights on one day to collect loads of cards that everyone can use and then whatever cards you get, you build a deck. And then the second day, you have one fight. And win or lose, that or draw, even, that's it. Yeah, that's your one game. Yeah, and it counts to the overall score of the clan. Yeah, you're going up against four other clans in this league. And it puts you together regarding how many people are active in your clan. So, say you've got 50 really active people... Or you won't go up against, say, a clan that's got 10. Because that would be really unfair. Yeah. It's a kind of cool take on what it's been doing for a while. I just like the core gameplay, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds like it levels the playing field a bit more. I mean, all right, you might win your fight better because you spent money or win your fight better. You might have a better chance of winning your own individual fights on the day where you collect cards because you've spent the money. But on the day that matters where you have to, like, the cards are set. You've got a selection of cards to pick from based on what your clan has picked up. That fight is an equaliser in terms of it's what you can do with these cards that you've been assigned. Yeah, kind of. It's, it's quite a sneaky way of getting people to spend money in a weird way. Because, say, like, uh, you get a guy with a musket and you collect so many cards and you want to use it and the 
clan war mode version of that card is a higher level than what you have already got in order for you to get it to that level you've got to pay money to upgrade it oh of this card i'm using it could be level nine but mine is only level seven so i'm gonna have to spend so many thousand gold in order to level it up oh i haven't got that gold what do i do i give him some money for me as i said because i've been playing for so long that loads of my cards are dead high levels it isn't a problem yet it could be for some people i guess yeah it's a really sneaky way of a getting people to spend more money and b get out of their comfort zone because i'm using eight cards and i'm only using eight cards out of i think they're up to 83 or 84 at this point and it sort of encourages you to try new things mm. is it like hearthstone in the sense that you're building a deck yeah, yeah but it's 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 real time it's not turn-based oh right okay as i said it's an action game so i really really love it i would encourage people to at least try it because obviously it's free but like i said the pay to win doesn't at a certain point it won't help you because i play against people and i just get fucking destroyed and then you think why did i get destroyed is it because they've got more money than me no because they've outplayed me or their deck is built in such a way that mine cannot compete with i favor having a big expensive tank i'd say expensive in terms of the mana that he uses yeah so you've got like a mana bar that goes down i use an expensive tank meanwhile i put this tank down and the other team will charge me with very fast very cheap units and i go well i'm fucked now aren't i i love it but it's not for everyone I've just remembered something else that I played, and now I'm regretting that I didn't lump Shin Megami into the Persona talk. So I, I'm I'm going to go through Shin Megami Tensei fairly quickly. Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey was a DS Shin Megami game. It didn't actually come out over here, but the DS being region free didn't really matter. It came out in the US. I bought it on the, uh, the DS. As the 3DS was coming out, I remember I was commuting at the time, and that was the game I was playing on my 3DS, along with Pez for the 3DS. I never really noticed that it's different than the traditional or the mainline Shin Megami games because it sort of feels like it's exactly the same but a few other people have read about it now. It is slightly different. So it's, it's Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey Redux and it's got a different ending or it's got like it goes beyond the ending I think or, or something I forget. Uh, it's got an easy mode which you can drop to in the menu once you've started the game which is good because that game gets really hard. And it's the, the difference between, as I talked about before, tonally it's different, obviously, but in Shimigami games, you tend not to have... In Persona, you have other people, and those people have Personas or Demons, which means they can cast magic, and your character can switch which demon he's got. He can have a collection of demons, and he can change. All right, I'll use Jack Frost for this because he's strong against ice, and I've equipped him with a fire spell as well, so I'll, you know, I'll do that. This guy's really good against physical, or he's weak to physical, so I'm going to put in a persona that has really strong physical damage or has physical moves, and so, you know, so on and so on. You make, you're make you able to switch and stuff. Shin Megami Tensei, as the mainline series, tends to be you and demons. So if there's four characters in battle that, you know, if you've got it to the point where you've got four, there'll be yourself and then three demons. And that's how Strange Journey works. 
so my experience with Shin Megami Strange Journey last time I played it was I got, I can maybe got to the third area, might be the fourth area, I'm not too sure. And every time I left the home base, I just got wiped out. I couldn't get any further because the demons I had were just the wrong demons. And I don't think I had the money to fuse anything. I think there must have been some reason why I couldn't fuse stuff. And if I went back to a lower area where it was weaker, they'd brought in these ultra strong demons who would just randomly appear and it was like a bonus thing you can go back and take on these these demons but they just kick the fuck out of me and you can't just save everywhere you kind of can on this one though but there's save points and they're dotted around there's only a couple per level and so you're kind of trying to just get to them so you can okay i'm fine now i can you know and then there's a heal point so you can heal but you could still get into a situation where you get annihilated in between and it's hard to grind it's hard to um level up or it was i don't know that anyone uh listening to this has, has played a lot of shin megami outside persona but it's a cool game it's good it's grim and horrible and to briefly go on about the plot the uh humanity has over expanded and they quote some philosopher i don't know if it, i meant to google it and see if it's a real philosopher that they've just sort of run with his, his idea but that once humanity gets to a tipping point it will just destroy itself essentially or the earth will react and so in the south pole the earth like this void has appeared we sent drones in and they couldn't see anything and then when they did send some pictures back it was like of like misunderstood human environments so rather than just this void or just ice as you'd expect you'll get like a shopping mall but it'll be a bit weird and or you'll get a battlefield but it'll be a battlefield in a city or something and you just got these sort of photos sent back and then when you go in you you find out why and and stuff but it's kind of good because i did sort of think when it turned up this was a mistake i'm playing the exact same game it's not going to work but then actually putting time into it they're quite different it is still an rpg obviously but and uh, still in the same universe i guess but still quite different last month we did one of these podcasts and yep. my want was football manager on the switch oh yes and I lasted about three days and then went and bought it. <laughs> and um actually kind of glad I did. I ended up really enjoying it. I finished the season on it and then kind of got myself into a bit of trouble. It's easier than the PC version, but I did cheat a couple of times. I did go to the home, like, all right, I've just lost. F- oh, no, sorry. I'm losing 4 0. I'll press the home button, close program, restart the game. Oh, I've won this time. Oh, that's a, it's a shame the game just crashed, wasn't it? Hmm. So it's equivalent of control. Crafty. Yeah. Well, it's a PC thing. It tracks it on the PC. And I've seen someone uh, get slaughtered for it because they they claimed they'd won everything in the season or something. Oh, I've won the European Cup so many times or something. And it, the people looked at their save data and they'd saved so many times. They were basically saving before every single game, which is something I do by habit. I think the game just does it anyway now. Certainly on the Switch. It was something I, I sort of drilled into me because it used to crash on our PC so much. But yeah, the idea being you save before every match and that way if you if it doesn't go the way you want, you, just, you don't have to redo anything, you just restart the game. The Switch version works with touch controls to a point. So you can click on players, you can proceed, you can click on a menu and, and sort of go from there to there to there to there. But there's certain things you need to... Um, you need the buttons for so if you want to put someone in the reserves or put them on the transfer list or something that i think is something you need the buttons for if you want to go back i think you need shoulder buttons and it's fine if you're watching the game 
or playing the, the match engine part of it, you're, you're out of the game, than dragging people to make substitutions or tapping to go to the tactics or to pause the game or something. That works. So there is touchscreen elements to it. It runs pretty well. I've played most of it in handheld mode and it gets a bit sluggish at the start of the game if you start messing with the tactics because it's obviously loading up and preparing background games but also all the sums for your game that you're about to start and then if you start switching players around the cursor gets a bit jittery which is weird but I, I sort of makes sense I guess it limits you to how many leagues and stuff you can have on I think it's three the PC does that as well but PCs are at a point where it doesn't really matter the, it refers to game speed so if you have 10 leagues running the amount of processes means it's going to take time when you, mm. you know, get to a match day or something if you've got a really good PC then doesn't really matter but if you're playing on a, an oldest laptop or something it's something you might have to factor in and so with the switch obviously it is something you need to factor in it does run a little better in docked mode but you know i got it to play handheld i guess i think it's a good version i've, I've enjoyed it like i said it seems a bit a bit easier maybe it's just that united's team is quite good on paper it's <laughs> a problem with the way they play possibly Whereas the way I play is kind of all out attack all the time. Too many attackers winning games 4-3. So yeah, the problem I've, I've got myself in, it's a problem I always get myself in, is I see lots of good young players and stuff, and I'm like, right, I want to get them, I want to bring them through. Oh, I don't want, and I don't want to miss out on that player. And then you look at your squad and you're kind of going, oh, I've got three players for this position. I need to, can't play all of them. I want to play this young player, but this player's too good still to get rid of and they're not good enough to take their place yet and that's kind of late game football manager stuff that i always try and get to because that's the bit that's most interesting whereas you probably need three seasons to start getting there so people start leaving and retiring and stuff but yeah it's not a bad version it is a bit expensive on the switch i think it's 30 quid who knows maybe there'll be a sale during the world cup or something it's not a bad idea if it was me marketing it but i enjoyed it it's not a bad version okay should we get on to the big one? Yeah, God of War. I played the first God of War on a PS2, and I liked it for what it was. It's like a simplistic brawler. And I think maybe the second one, I definitely had Chains of Olympus on PSP. I really enjoyed them, but I'm the last person to say, like, yeah, I'm a big God of War fan. It's just big spectacle, you know. Kratos is basically always up to 11. He's either fucking something or killing it and that's it. Or shouting. The last thing I was expecting in a God of War game was really well-written dialogue. Yeah. And characters. And this is incredible in that regard. I was, same as I've heard a few critics say and, and stuff, that they um, were rolling their eyes at the thought of, oh, right, okay, we're going to make Kratos meaningful, we're going to make him human, we're going to make him, you know, oh, we're going to care about... Like, I don't see that they're going to with how he is, especially because he still is that early in the game. He's still mean and nasty, and I think there would be a hard turn. Whereas actually, he did quite a good job with it. It's quite subtle that you just get mm. to certain points where something is said to him, and he doesn't react. And then you start to realise why he's not reacting, or that he's holding back a bit. Or So there's some conversations with the son, Atreus, I think, isn't it, the son? Yeah. Or boy, where he... <laughs> Because the, the game starts, Kratos' wife, new wife, has died. Atreus' mother. And you're building a funeral pyre for her. And so, both characters are grieving. 
but you don't see it in Kratos. And it's quite, I say late in the game, I don't know how late, but there was a conversation quite far into the game that occurs where Kratos sort of snaps at Atreus because Atreus is saying, you don't even care, you don't, you know, you don't give a shit. Whereas he's sort of, I'd say I do, but one of us needs to be focused, one of us needs to, you know. And it's little bits like that where it's like, okay, they've just took a second to explain something and to... It's not a huge emotional moment. It's how that character would, a stoic character would react to that. It's um, yeah, that side of it's quite well done. Although I do think, yeah, you know, might be getting ahead of ourselves here in terms of the conversation, but some of Atreus's moments are a bit rushed, or a bit sharp turns in terms of when he has moments of arrogance or or vindictiveness or something. It's not that they come out of nowhere, but they go from zero to a hundred straight away yeah the bits where you just want to slap him yeah I kind of agree with that however I think it was pointed out somewhere else that if you're that age and you've been told the things that he's been told you can understand someone going well I don't give a shit anymore yeah maybe it just feels like it would take what would take maybe a week a month takes 20 minutes which is because it's a video game I guess and there's no passage of time really in that in that game but in terms of there's no fade to black yeah I really like that with no I don't think there's any flashbacks in it is there no there's a, if it happens it you see the character kind of watching the memory yeah but you don't oh yeah but you don't see like his life before the wife died I mean you don't you never see his wife no yeah the game does a really good way of given you the impression that you can view how his son's life was until the mother died that there was at no point where Kratos was like playing with his kid and laughing and joking and having a good time like he was clearly nowhere near the family and he was off hunting and doing shit and killing people yeah and it gives you a really good way of getting that point across yeah their relationship is they're not quite strangers but there's no early on there's no warmth there and it does a good job at that how that grows and develops is is pretty good there's a moment early on as well i kind of don't want to spoil it but it's it's obviously it's, it's really early on when you kill the first ogre and a trace right. reaction to that is again maybe comes around a, a little sharp but it's good it's the first time where there is oh yeah this that's not far, i could see that being a, a, an actual reaction to to this an actual emotional reaction to this rather than it doesn't feel unearned even though it happens within 20 minutes of the game starting but I don't know if you know which bit I mean yeah I think I know exactly what what bit you mean yeah does he have a knife in his hand he does yes yes I know exactly which bit you mean yeah so it's, it's a good reminder as well that you're not dealing with mini Kratos you're dealing with a kid in his own right and yeah yeah there's there's really really good bits I mean it's the for me, it's the best of stuff of the game. As much, as, I mean, it looks amazing and stuff, but the combat is it's good. Yeah. I kind of, in some ways, prefer the old combat than what I played of the old God of War. I heard people compare it to Dark Souls, and while I, the thing that is a bit of a stretch, early on the game is it's not crazy difficult, but it's mistakes are punished, and it is about you can't just mash. You are not yeah. powerful enough to get away with just mashing. You need to focus on what the enemy's doing counter roll dodge and then attack mm. 
whereas later on you're powerful enough that stuff just happens and particularly Atreus is so useful at the end of the game he's just doing his own thing but it means that you frees you up to kind of do what you want rather than have to be particularly careful the end games the post game stuff is back to being really difficult I think yeah that's stuff insane I pretty much stopped after that I was going to carry on after I finished and do that and then thought mm, uh, I think I'm good yeah same I thought there was some that I thought I could probably go in and just do them quite easily I think but then other ones where I was like I need to reassign stuff I need to put things I mean I'm I've got increased resistance against poison and stuff rather than you know whatever I've got equipped at the minute I need to spec for this fight and as soon as it got to that point I was that was the point where I was I don't want to do that I I don't know all the people going on about finishing it completely you know platinum and all that sort of stuff tempted me to kind of yeah I, I've enjoyed this game I might go and finish all that and I'm quite close with some of it but then as soon as it came down to that stuff it's like nah I, I think I need to move on I just really enjoyed the pacing of it where it went from being all the way up to 11 the spectacle was just incredible and then you have these moments of just quietness and you're chilling in a boat listening to someone tell you a story yeah you pointed out after you finished it that you were expecting it to end on a really big mad boss fight and it doesn't and that's quite a brave move I think yeah it finishes there I mean obviously it doesn't finish their story it sets up for a, a sequel there's plenty of content left in that game in terms of places you don't go to and also some places that you do that you just don't spend a lot of time in they could obviously do more but it finishes that story without it being I mean there is obviously boss fights and stuff in it but yeah it's it's quite nice that it just sort of ends and then you just sort of trudge back and it's like well you go back and explore again if you want rather than it being this you've done everything you've saved the world games sometimes when they let you go back in it's, it always feels like it's post oh, sorry a pre-end game save that you're going back into and quite often it is yeah. whereas this feels like it just, could just continue it's just like well what else are they going to do you know they're still on a journey it's, it's not as directed now but the journey is growth I guess and Kratos teaching Atreus I think it's something that's come up a couple of times mentioned on the forum I think is compared to this time last year this is probably the point last year where stuff started to quieten down a bit really special games stopped appearing I mean you could probably put Mario I guess Mario Odyssey is later in the year but this was a by this point we'd had certainly my two games of the year this year it feels a bit slower I'm struggling to think of what stood out this year what I really really enjoyed this year is God of War a front runner for you do you think for for game of the year so far oh absolutely there's only three new games I think I've played so far this year Celeste God of War and something else which escapes me completely but yeah God of War it'd take a pretty special game to top it at this point I think yeah there is a point where things get Kratos goes on his own Sky kind of gets a bit redder I don't know if that means anything to you but that was the point where the game clicked for me I was just realised like, this is amazing right but I didn't have that feeling all the way through but I enjoyed it a lot yeah so I think it probably is up there for me as well but I I don't know I, I sort of wish I'd got a bit more from it but if anything does top it then it'll be a, a really really good game I think for me maybe Yakuza 6 is the only other game that I put that sort of level I've not finished that yet but yeah it is good it's obviously really well received critically but then I've seen a lot of people elsewhere kind of going I don't like it as much as the critics there's always going to be someone that wants to be an outlier or wants to say something's overrated 
10 out of 10 does not mean perfect 10 out of 10 means this is really quite something you should play this I can see why it's got 10s if I was a reviewer which quite happily I'm not I probably would go 9 it's not a perfect game there's things wrong with it the the map system is a bit shit yeah you can barely zoom in or out it's it's like oh you can zoom in on the right stick or whichever one it was and it barely does anything and it does have fairly obvious gameplay loops like you go into an area and you know what's going to happen in that area you know if you do this this is going to happen it's yeah it's rare that it surprises you beyond the first few minutes i think i can't think of too many times where i was really surprised by what had happened but yeah at the same time resident evil 4 has i mean that's quite an old game at this point but that absolutely has the same gameplay loops recycled recycled and just in different orders and stuff it's still one of the greatest games ever made so the spectacle i think helps god of war uh, but yeah as much as while it's maybe not quite there for me it's still I, i'm struggling to think what's come out this year that's better than it and it probably would have made my top 10 last year and last year was ridiculous yeah so you know i think one of the best things about it is to some of the characters are brilliant yeah you wouldn't expect in a god of war game a to be well written and b to be funny there's some yeah. genuinely funny lines that some of them have i liked one of the dwarfs more than the other one i didn't like i'd heard a lot of good stuff about it and i wasn't keen on on one of them but i really like um i forget her name but the uh, the witch i thought she was really really good really well done that's a kind of believable character and where that character goes you could see someone doing what they do yeah and it's going to be interesting to see where that character goes in the the next few games so what they did is set it up for a new franchise or rebooting the franchise i am more than a little bit interested in the next one i could see me going for that yeah it's one of those games where you just i think most people who played it would say yeah of course i'm gonna pick up the second one yeah like i say i I feel like i'm maybe a little downer on it than a couple of other people on the forum but even i'm thinking yeah i mean it goes without saying i'll get the next ben is positive about a triple a (laughs) game yeah crazy yeah well we're doing an e3 podcast as well so that'll that'll change yeah i guess we move on to once yeah if you if you got one for this in a roundabout way yeah it's mainly a want of i want to go back to a my backlog and b stuff that i just really enjoy playing like no man's sky is getting a multiplayer update soon yeah and i want to go back to that just because i played a little uh no i played a fair few hours of it but I haven't played it since they've last updated it, I think. I played one of the bigger updates, but I'd like to go back to that. And I want to go back to Splatoon 2, which I probably played quite a lot of. Yeah. But I still, even if I put 40 hours into it, I still don't feel I played enough. Yeah, I'm with you. I never really spent any time with a single player, but with Nintendo's online thing. I want to get back to that and put a lot more time in because it also it's just it's really good fun and I feel like yeah. I stopped and for no reason I, I wanted to carry on playing it I just didn't I think we should organise a, a Splatoon 2 night yeah I'm up for that also Overwatch is the same sort of thing I, I enjoy Overwatch I want to go back to that yeah just stuff like that just there's loads of games I want to go back to I haven't played the Switch in a while so I want to boot that back up and finish celeste off play darkest dungeon again 
Yeah. Just, uh, I want to go back to stuff, really. Yeah, I think I'm in a perpetual state of that. I um, downloaded, uh, I think it was Divinity 2, I think, or Pills of Eternity, and what, both of those are games that I started, and Pills of Eternity I put a decent amount of time into, and just never quite got to the point where it clicked, but I was enjoying it. I could, like, yes, this is a Ben sort of game, I am going to enjoy this, but because I wasn't playing it solidly for a couple of days, I, I just never quite tipped over the edge with it. So both of those are games I'd like to go back to, but they're both such time commitments. Or going back to Persona just means that it's just not going to happen. And Yakuza's been sat half finished, and yeah, maybe. I mean, if I can't do it whilst I'm out of work, then I don't know <laughs> quite where I'm going to find the time. But Exactly. But yeah. My one is a bit more focused than yours, I guess. I don't mean that as a criticism, I just mean it is a thing. <laughs> it's an, an actual product. SNK announced a, you know, like the NES Classic and the SNES Mini, their version of that, which is, as far as I know, a working arcade cabinet that is maybe about three inches tall. Yeah. It's tiny. It's, it doesn't seem that it's actually usable, but it's, I, my understanding is it does work. It's got a working screen and working controls on there, but it's got HDMI out and USB in for controllers and stuff. I don't know for sure what's on there. I know Metal Slug is on there and Fatal Fury, presumably at least one Fatal Fury. I'd guess maybe about three. I am up for that. I really like SNK's games. I've got the SNK handheld thing that came out. It was a handheld that you put in a dock and then would work on a television and plays old SNK games like the Switch. Hmm. Except it had better control. Uh, yeah, it did have better controls actually. The problem is the the one I bought, I bought it secondhand and I got it fairly cheap for what it is. It should have been twice the price, but the shell side of it didn't really work very well. It was a bit spotty whether it connected to the TV at all, and then the uh, arcade stick that came with it didn't work. But also no other controllers worked. So the arcade stick that came with it didn't work on anything else. Like, the arcade stick is broken. So yeah, right. so I never really got to use it on a television, which is what I wanted it for, and would have got more use. But as a handheld, I used it quite a bit. If you ever used a th uh, Neo Geo Pocket, which I don't know if you did, it had like a nub that clicked. It was like a digital nub. It's like the 3DS circle pad, except it would click, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, I'd, I never I never played one. So it's controls like that, which I'd prefer a, a D-pad. I don't know why they didn't just put a proper D-pad on there. It works all right. It's just not quite... Given that SNK's fighting games are fairly tough, playing stuff like Garu with that is, is maybe not the way to go. But I've, there's been a few games on that that I, I played and really enjoyed, and so having a better version of that sounds really appealing, and particularly one that looks cool, like a little arcade machine, little desktop arcade machine that's the telly, I think, would look pretty... Uh, not nice. Well, it wouldn't look nice, would it? But on its own, it's not a bad-looking thing. In the same way, I suspect a lot of people who have an NES Minis, one of the appeals of it is how it looks. Yeah, that's my, my one. I don't know how much it is, I don't know what's on it, but um, I think I'll probably pick one up at some point. Okay. So how about Bin? I've switched. I realised we didn't talk about Onrush. And so I was going to... I then toyed with putting that in the bin. Onrush is from Codemasters. I think... I don't know if... I need to look into it, but I think Codemasters might have hired some of the Sony Racing Studio people who did um, Motorstorm. Yeah. So it feels like Motorstorm. Yeah, it's the same people. Yeah, so it feels like that, except it's... The rules of it are a bit confusing. I saw a slide post about it, and it I agree with a lot of what you put there. That It's not necessarily that I don't like the game. It's I feel like I maybe just don't understand it. The game needs to just give you more feedback. So how am I earning points? Is this the right way to do this? Is this... Am I getting points for drifting? Am I getting... Like, 
in relation to other people, am I doing well at the minute? Because essentially, you're not getting points for... It's you against... Or your team against other teams. Or another team. Online game, blah, blah, blah. There is a single-player thing, but yeah. And so the point isn't to destroy people and crash other cars off. It's also not necessary to win the race. The race just keeps going. It's to earn points. And you get points by boosting and going off jumps. To earn more boost, you need to go off jumps. And then once you max out your boost, you can do this onrush thing or whatever it is. It's like a power mode. I understand that the benefit to knocking people off means, or to killing or crashing other cars, is that it means that that car, while it's out of action, cannot be earning points. So that's why you need to do it. Right. Whilst you, if you crash, you're also not earning points for your team. So racing is um, staying on the track seems to be the way to go. But there's times where it's like I, you know, I've done pretty well. I've not crashed a lot. Yeah, I don't feel like I've earned a lot of points or coming off at the leaderboard. I've not done as well as other people, but I'm like, we didn't win. So why not? Why, what was wrong? It's just that feedback is needed. But I'm not going to put that as the bin because it's too it's too early to put that in. I'm not going to write off something yeah. based on a beta that I've had five goals of. It handles okay. It looks okay. It might be a better game, but yeah. I told you to put Destiny in because I played a bit of Destiny this month. It's got a lot of problems, Destiny. It's a lot of, but essentially it's just the mission structure. I'm not entirely sure sometimes where to go, what to be doing. I just think it's very much built for multiplayer. And when you're playing on your own, it becomes really apparent how quiet that game is, how much downtime there is in that game where you're supposed to just be talking to your friends and stuff. Also, the story's terrible, but anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put that in. I'm not going to slate Destiny. Nintendo's online service. Right. And some of the reaction to it. Because... I don't think you should be paying to play online on consoles. I've never thought you should. I didn't get um, Xbox Live for that reason. There are other features in that that I can understand why they want to charge people. But if it's, I'm sure it's slightly, there is slightly more involved in this. But if it's peer to peer, then you're not, you know, they're not hosting a server or anything. They're not, that cost isn't there. I also think it should be covered within the cost of the games, within the cost of the console, within other things. You can make up that money. It is purely just for profit. And if it's not purely just for profit, it is certainly why it exists still. So I did get PS Plus and I got it because of the prior to online game and being locked in. I got it as the game collection thing. 40 quid. Yeah. There's going to be a few games a year that I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll play that. So it's, it's not too bad. With Nintendo, it is less money, but there's fewer games that it caters for there's just fewer online games there is some but it doesn't feel like just about every other game which is on xbox and pc and ps4 it does feel like just about every game has an online component god of war is actually a bit unusual for not having any online component but cool when you consider that uncharted did and that's a big single player game and last of us did and that's a big single player game so the justification for it is everyone else does it which is not a good enough reason. It's cheaper than everyone else. Well, it should be, because it, it offers less. And in fact, mm. it shouldn't exist at all, because it was free up till this point. It was free on the Wii, it was free on the Wii U, it was free on the 3DS. And they've not done any more to it, as far as we can tell. In fact, they've made it worse in some ways. And obviously the cloud saving. Again, I can see why they'd want to charge money for that. That's fair enough, to an extent. But again, you could just let you copy saves off an SD card and... I don't know. I don't know how many people really need cloud saving, I'll be honest. Reviewers complain about it because, you know, but everyone else, how many Wii U's have they got? Where are they putting the Wii U that they need cloud saves? 
And so the justification then is that you get games with it. I think you get 20 games and they've announced 10 of them. And they're old NES games, which includes like Balloon Fight and Ice Climbers are two of the more notable ones. Okay, there's Mario and stuff in there as well. Because then it's stuff like soccer. Yeah. There's a lot of shit there. Like a lot of NES games are shit. And that's not because it's a NES, it's just because it's old and games have moved on. Not every game, but a lot of the games are not all that good. And you, by the sounds of it, you don't get to keep them, but they've not really spelled that out. So these ones you might, but who knows? And they've sold them before, and they're part of other collections. And they, this is not unusual. It's not, oh, I get to play Balloon Fight. Great. Like, firstly, that should never be your reaction. But Balloon Fight, you probably, if you've got Nintendo consoles, you've probably got it on something else already. If you've got a NES Classic, if you've got a 3DS, you know, it's already been available. You've probably got it already. So. The service is just not good enough to be charged for and i think that whilst that has been pointed out by a decent number of people the amount of people i've seen is kind of shrugging it off or defending it is what i want to be in. And, you know everyone's entitled to their own opinion i guess but i don't like to see this encouraged and that we're sleepwalking into into this is um not great and people will say nintendo getting criticized in a way that microsoft didn't and sony didn't Fair enough to an extent, Sony did it a bit of... Well, they did it the other way of making the service, charging for that, and then sticking online. That was she, but, you know, Xbox, they were the first to do it. I've never defended it, never will. In fact, I've always been quite critical of it, but, um, you know, it is what it is. So, I, I think it's a shame. So, that's my bin. Fair enough. I have no real opinion yet, as yet, on the Nintendo <laughs> Online thing. I'm not overly critical of it. I'm still kind of convinced that they'll pull something out and go, uh, we've listened to the feedback and we've added this. So Yeah. And it also, it is cheap. So if that family thing works on different machines, I could see a few of us clubbing together for £2 a year or something. Yeah, I think that is... I don't want to say the saving grace for it because I, I don't think even that. But yeah, I do. I can see, I can see that being a, a case. But again... It's, was it eight people? If it is eight people, eight different machines, and they can all be online all at once, mm. then yes, that that would be probably how I'd go about it. But yeah, I don't know. I know a couple of people who pay for a couple of services already and add in a third. I, I just don't see the value in it at all, really. But like I said, each to their own. I'm sure other people will do it and will say they get their money's worth out of it. And it's their money. So, you know, just I would argue that it's a detriment to all of us but <laughs> you know yeah anyway <laughs> my bin is um it's an unfortunate one i recorded another play want bin podcast day before we recorded this one that was with blakey and the sound was awful so i had to scrap the entire thing unfortunately just background noise and fumbling around here mics and stuff so very sorry tom he does already know this is not going to be a big surprise to him. I have cleared it with him. But yeah, the, um, unfortunately, that resulting recording was a bit of a disaster. So it's either put something up that I'm not happy with or scrap it. So I decided to scrap it. So very sorry about that. It used to be a fairly common thing, didn't it? That obviously you'd get have problems recording for whatever reason. We used to lose a decent, like once a month, we used to use, lose a podcast. Maybe once every two months, we'd lose a podcast to just Audacity crashing or something. Yeah, Audacity used to be really flaky. Mm. I have managed to salvage 
some of Tom talking about God of War. So we're going to end this episode with with Tom talking about God of War. In memory of Tom. In memory of Tom, yes. You wait now and the, the podcast will come out just as he dies. Or something. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. Wouldn't it? You'd have to... You, yeah, now I know that you'd be like, it's not worth the effort editing it. So if you left <laughs> in, so I look like a monster. Yeah. So on that note, I guess uh, we'll say goodbye and we'll carry on with Tom. I didn't really know what to expect. I was not that hyped on it, actually, for a while. But I never really loved the series. Like I've never got that hyped about it. And then probably 10 days before, I was just reading a lot of good noise on Reset Error. And then all the reviews came in, like, uh, eight days before, whether it was. It's crazy. And they were all absolutely insane, like, way higher than I... Uh, I thought it would get high, but I didn't think it would get as high as it did scores so yeah definitely raised the hype levels for me and the, the game itself I wasn't actually seeing it for a long time the nines and tens so I probably would have given it an eight for about three quarters of it but I think the last quarter of the game probably just pushed it up to a nine for me and uh, there's a lot of stuff about it to like obviously the graphics are insane and the, uh, the combat's amazing yeah, so those are probably the two standouts, but uh, I didn't know about the world design for a while because it just felt like uh, so so similar to Tomb Raider. It just felt a bit tiny bit restrictive about where you could go because there's no jump or whatever button now, so it just felt a bit restrictive sometimes. But I did enjoy the side quests and everything in it, and I thought they were definitely given more context than, than usual. What I thought was great about it is, uh, yeah, the, the combat uh, and the, uh, I think the puzzle designs as well, how they continue to like, make interesting like, puzzle designs, and obviously a lot of were repeated, but how they managed to weave that all through the main areas of the game and then the side areas as well, and then, you know, all that, that Metroidvania-esque kind of stuff. I didn't think it did much new or that uh, anything too exciting aside from the, the combat. That's why I was going to, yeah, I probably only would have given it an 8 for ages. The final quarter of the game just, uh, yeah, pushed it up for me. I thought it was like the perfect, probably one of the best endings to a game. Like I know some people didn't like, it doesn't end straight after the final boss, which I think a lot of people didn't like. I think people wanted to see final boss and then credits kind of thing and then you had a bit that bit after the final boss and I don't know if it, yeah I've seen some people complain about that and but you know kind of ended on a damp script or whatever but I really liked thought it was amazing that bit how it wrapped up I thought it was yeah literally perfect in every way I thought it was incredible such a fantastic moment like I love that like, when games do them and they just let themselves breathe a bit like I do like the spectacle of like Untied and the old God of Wars but yeah, at the same time I think yeah those quiet moments like I think as gaming goes on I think yeah I think they're more important yeah reflected and, and at the same time especially after dramatic moments and battles and, and stuff like that I know it's probably going to get an inevitable sequel but I do like how they kept the cast relatively small I mean I think there's probably only about six to eight main characters in the game that are like you know Mo Captain I mean there's other smaller characters but Something like that, and I just like how they it definitely like a chapter one kind of thing to the to a new trilogy. That's what it felt like to me. Especially what happens post credits and what happens around you definitely set up uh, certain things. It definitely, yeah, but it definitely has like a bit of a new hope feel to it kind of thing. Like uh, things are gonna go into the stratosphere <laughs> the next time, but I still hope they manage to maintain that kind of small story kind of thing and not try and let it go too huge again. 
but I, I did like the set piece when the set pieces did come. I mean, two two of the boss fights uh, are insane, like mad. This is so much better than the old ones. I know some people still like shouty, angry, one-note Kratos, but this is the right direction for me. You know, they brought their A game with the combat as well. It's not just you know, it's not just uh, you know, looks lovely and, and plays nice and, and stuff like that. And it's not like it's yeah, the combat is like incredible <laughs> so they brought their a game in in all regards really and just i think it's as a whole it's uh yeah it's great but i could definitely uh some of the uh map design at times was a bit predictable seen before kind of thing but but yeah the story carried it yeah that final quarter of the story is uh amazing and it just uh, yeah carried it up to that yeah where i was agreeing with you know other people's high opinions of it